0: Hi everybody, welcome back to The Little Green Pasture. I'm so glad to be back. It's very hard to stay away, even though I've got a lot of stuff going on. My heart and my mind are always looking upwards to Christ. I'm always thinking about you guys. And not just because I'm looking down and having something to share, but because I so enjoy uh, the fact that you're here listening. And I just love hearing you and your comments and things you say. So always make sure, feel free to reach out in the comment section. It's a safe comment section, by the way. I just want everybody to know I keep it safe. All comments are go into the, you know, they have to be approved. And I do that for your sake because sometimes things come in that are, well, I'll just say they're just not nice and they're not good. And how does that benefit the body of Christ? So, as uh, your sister in Christ, I like to keep it safe. So feel free to always comment in that safe place. So um, I wanna welcome everybody. If you're new to this channel and you're just stopping by, I welcome you to take up a little plot of green grass by the river of God, which is full of water, and be refreshed. And also know that um, if you're new to this channel, That everything that I share with you, it's not just because I've thumbed through a bunch of books or looked for something that sounds good. It's because if I'm not moved myself by God, then what am I doing? Isn't it true that we have to be moved in our hearts? And, you know, that is my number one prayer to the Lord with these messages is, Lord, what is in your heart that you want to share with me today? What is in your heart that you want me to share with them today? Or the coming lesson, if you have something you want to share with me. And you know, he's always been so good to answer that prayer. Because I believe that he is, and I know that he's such a communicator. Jesus is a communicator. After all, he's the one that came up with prayer. And he's the one that came up with making a voice for ourselves. And I believe the voices that you have and that I have are not just meant for this world, but they're meant for the world above. And they're meant for our voices to be heard. And each voice is so unique. There's not a voice like yours in the whole world. And even if one of us were to go home to be with the Lord tonight, there would never be a voice like yours and mine in all the earth and not another person like you. So just know that you're so important to Jesus Christ. He loves hearing from you. Our father in heaven loves hearing from you. And I want to say this really quick because somebody wrote to me yesterday, the sister, and I love these comments or uh, emails or comments, whatever messages. And she wanted to know why she never gets dreams and visions. And sometimes I get other ones that say, I never hear his voice or others, I never feel his presence. And those are my favorite ones because I love to smash down those ideas or thoughts because those very things become the focus rather than just letting everything go and letting God be God. And there are different gifts and they differ one from another. And, and so many people have been cast down by thinking uh, they're, they're not up to par to uh, why do they get dreams of gifts or why did they speak in tongues or why uh, does that person always have uh, worship and, you know, and all these different gifts. And so, We have to remember that in the body of Christ, the least comely parts are the ones that are given more honor. It's so easy to look at somebody who has an amazing voice and they are worshipers and there are some that are amazing. And it's so easy to just, you know, look at them and say, wow, I wish I was like them and I have such a horrible voice. Don't focus on that. That's not your gift. And you have to realize that they look at someone like you and say, when they talk to you, And secretly in their hearts say, I wish I had that gift. I mean, I sing and I love it, but I wish I had that gift of hospitality, that gift of helps. I mean, what would Jesus have done without hospitality? Remember, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. What would Jesus have done without those that opened a door to him and let him come in and eat with them and and supply his needs and maybe give him a new robe or let him stay for a while as well as the apostles. And I think probably one of the greatest gifts is the gift of hospitality. I know that because I have suffered so many things in my life. And if it wasn't for people um, coming into my life at the time I needed help the most, where would I be? Where would you be? And so today I want to talk about Moses' life. And uh before I get started, I'm going to pray and I want to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit because I could feel him moving now. Father in heaven, I bow before you. I bow before the Lord of heaven and earth. And I am here to lift up your name in this place and to magnify your name in this message. That Lord, that you would be heard and not me. That you That your presence would fill this message that you would embody the message and that you would minister to the hearers and that Lord that your Holy Spirit would have his way with me and that he would be the principal teacher the one that I am listening to as I speak Lord you know I'm fallible And I don't get everything right. And I'm glad because there's no one good but God who gets everything right. And so, Jesus, I lay myself down at your feet as your vessel, as your handmaid. And I ask, let your living waters flow. Let them flow richly and fully into the cups of thirsty people and lead me. And I commit this word unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm in the book of Exodus and I've been studying about, you know, Moses. And, you know, I have read, been reading my Bible for decades. And as I'm sure as well as myself, you can agree with the fact that the longer you're in the word and you stay committed to reading his word, you know, it says in his light, we shall see light. And that the path of the just is like the shining light that shineth brighter and brighter into the perfect day. And we are born again. And so he is the just and the justifier of us. Therefore, we are the just. And the longer we stay in his word and just spend time quietly in it, not trying to blast through in his light, you will see light the light of his truth. And today um, I'm ready to share this message. And over the last three days, I've been really just taking my time reading about Moses's life. And and for some reason, this is where the Holy Spirit has me. This is where the Lord has me. Because you can get so much out of the book of Exodus. I mean, we will spend an eternity looking into it. But this is what I got from it this time. I really started looking at Moses's life as really an outline of your life and mine. We tend so much to look at these great men like Moses and Noah and Abraham and the you know Daniel and I, Elijah and Isaiah and the list is endless, right? All into the New Testament, Paul and and Peter and the different people, and we tend to say wow they were so powerful they were so great and they were and they were the people that God chose to do a specific and a certain thing and so many of us fall within the traps of uh, where we don't really realize that we're looking so much at ourself and our fallibility saying well God look at me I'm the like I'm the least of anybody. Even Paul said that. He said, and I who am the least and less than nothing of all the apostles. You know, you look at a man like that, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, you know, raised at the feet of Gamaliel. You're like, what do you mean, Paul? (laughs) You know, but he became poor that he may become rich. And, and we become blind that we may see right who is my who is blind but my servant. Because see, in his light we see light. And so when we first start out on our journey and our walk and our born being born again with Christ, we do set out on our way home. And you know, studying Moses' life, I saw something. That landed me in chapter 33. Now let me just build it up a little bit. Um, we know that Moses. Was born. To Yoshebed. And. Um, Amram. And they were godly people. And that was during the slavery of Egypt. So during his birth. It, he was born in the enemy's land. And his parents were subject to. To Pharaoh. All the Jewish people, all the Israelites were subject unto their enemy and slavery. And he was born into slavery. No doubt, had he stayed with his parents and not become that one chosen, he would have entered into the brickyards of Pharaoh. And during that time, Pharaoh was having all the young boys from two years old and under killed. And you can study that on your own. If you haven't read it, just start off in Exodus chapter one. And there was a day that uh, three months after he was born, I mean, his mother hid him for three months until she couldn't hide him anymore. And many people see uh, him that his mother, you know, well, she made this little, uh, boat for him, this little ark it called, and she put him in the ark, which is interesting that it was called the ark. But she made a little ark with him of bulrushes and daubed it with uh, tar. And it said she put him in the reeds. Most people see him being pushed down the river, but it says she sat him in the reeds. And I'm sure she went away, probably sobbing. But Miriam stayed behind. And at that moment in the morning, Pharaoh's daughter came down and saw that Hebrew baby. And she pulled him out of the ark and named him Moses, one who was taken out of the water. And obviously he became her son and the grandson of Pharaoh. And in time to come, when Stephen was giving his full address, his giving his address, his last address to the Pharisees before he was stoned to death by them, it says, and when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel and seeing one of them suffer wrong. He defended him and avenged him that he was oppressed and smote the Egyptian for he supposed his brethren would have understood that how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And, you know, doesn't this just speak to our life? You know, we, we, Um, we're, we're born in the enemy land. We, we just are, you know, heaven is our home and we're on our way there. And, but we're born in this world and it is an, a Pharaoh, it is an Egyptian brickyard all over the world. And there comes a day where we are, we receive Jesus Christ into our life. And And whether you receive him as a 50-year-old, a 90-year-old, a 10-year-old, whatever age, if you truly, truly have received Christ into your life, then you are a new creature. And in that new creature life, you do know, you do sense, you feel it, you understand. You can't explain it to everybody. No one that's unsaved understands it says, "For the preaching of the crosses, unto them that par- unto uh, them that perish, foolishness; but to them that are saved, it is the power of God." So to us, it's the power of God, and though and so you see, every I I and I I don't know if this will speak to everybody, but I'm just going to let it flow. And where the seeds land, I'm going to let them land. You see, because there comes a point in your walk, whether it's right away, whether it's a week later, whether it's a year later, six years later. Something enters into your heart. Something clicks in with your walk. And I believe that's the Lord because He doesn't like to leave us in places where we are. He sees, He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your tomorrow. Like when Jesus says, He told when uh, 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 someone came to Jesus and said, You better hide yourself. Herod seeks to kill you. And He said, You go tell that fox, I cast out demons. I do cures today and tomorrow the same. And after that, the son of man must be crucified and will be delivered into the hands of men and crucified and on the third day. He'll rise again. But you see how Jesus saw, said, I do cures today. I t- tomorrow. I, you know, I I cast out demons today. I do cures tomorrow and the next day. The same mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. The same today, uh, yesterday. more the same. So the point I'm making is with Moses, it says when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart. And so he visited the children of Israel and he came upon two Israelites, an Israelite arguing with an Egyptian and he smote the Egyptian because what came into his heart, he prematurely was trying to become as Stephen put it in Acts chapter seven, that He was, you know, like the people said, art thou come to be a judge and a ruler over us? And he not only became the judge and ruler over them later on in his 80s, but he was referred as the king of Jeshurun in Deuteronomy chapter 33. So not only was a judge and a ruler, but he was considered as king in Jeshurun. So, you know, we start out, we're so raw, we want to jump into things. And so we're so hard on ourselves. Maybe you've been so hard on yourself and you know something entered into your heart to do something for the Lord. Don't be defeated. If there's something you have done, we've all done it. We've all jumped the gun. We've wanted to go run. We wanted to go do something. Look, look at Peter. Peter cut off Malchus's Malchus' ear, uh, Malchus' servant's ear when they came to arrest Jesus, Jesus said, put up your sword. Those that will live with the sword will die with it. In other words, you've got the wrong sword, but he was so quick to grab something external to kill. He meant to kill him. Peter meant to kill him. And so let me go further. See, see, where it says, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. You see, people around you, they're not going to understand where you're coming from. You're not even going to understand really what's happening in you. So you're going to do a lot of external overt things to try to do what is on fire in your heart to do. But God has a time and a timing for you to do it. Now, clearly we know that when Pharaoh heard uh, that Moses murdered him. Well, we know that Moses, we know that Pharaoh obviously did because the following day he went out and he saw two of his brethren, Hebrews, arguing with each other. And Moses stepped in and said, you, you don't, please don't do this to each other. And one of them, you know, said to him, what are you going to do? Kill, kill one of us like you did the Egyptian yesterday. That's when he fled for his life. Now, 40 years later, he's in the desert. And doesn't that be speak of what happens to us? Something happens that makes us go, I just, I don't think I've heard from the Lord. and I, But the thing still remains because whatever he put in Moses's heart, whatever he's put in your heart, if it's really of him, it's going nowhere. And you know, I know that feeling and I have responded prematurely, but that feeling never left me. But you know what? There was a long season for me where I just went on with my life, had kids, married, lived the life, just went on and did what I was always, just what was put before me in the common, simple life. So a day came where he saw he was shepherding. He saw a burning bush. The Lord met him. He asked him who he was. He says, I am that I am. You know, we know that whole story. He says, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to go meet with Pharaoh. And you're going to tell him, let my people go. Now, I'm building up. So just bear with me. You know, at that point, you know, I think when God at that point appears to us and comes to us in our time, it's when we don't expect it. Because it can never come from you. It can never be said in heavenly history. There was a day that I sprang forward and I ran and I grabbed on the baton. and I started running because typically how it really happens is he comes to you. Everything comes from above. Everything comes from heaven. John the Baptist said a man can receive nothing except to be given to him from above. Even Jesus said that later on in the chapter in Luke. A man can receive nothing except to be given to him from heaven. And so some years had passed, but I do believe that was still in his heart. How that looked, he probably gave up on it, but it just still remained. Anyways, the point I'm making is he said to God in chapter four of Exodus, Moses said unto the Lord in verse ten, O oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Well he didn't seem slow of speech and slow of tongue to me when he confronted the Egyptian or confronted the Hebrew men arguing. But notice now he's saying he's a different man. Because when you get older, you just die to a lot of stuff. You mellow out. You're not so full of yourself, grabbing onto Peter's sword and whacking off everybody's ear because you're trying to, you know, make something happen. But this man, Moses, was just like you and me. In the enemy land, You know, God God plucked us out of this world for himself. We're still in it, just like he was still in it. He was plucked out of the water, but he was still in the land. And he was born in the enemy's land, but God sent him back. But here's the interesting thing. And the Lord said unto him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go... And I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, Oh my Lord send, I pray thee by the hand of him though thou shalt send. That's such the operative word I want to use today because he's basically saying, don't send me alone. Don't send me alone. Who are you going to send with me? You know, I'm not saying he's, I'm not trying to add words to it, but like clearly it's like, you really want me to go back there I mean, yeah, he was his grandfather and I believe he was put in that household because later on he'd have to go see his Egyptian adopted grandfather. And I think that's really the only reason why Pharaoh even allowed him to come into his presence. That's what I really believe. I think if it was anybody else, he would be like, Pharaoh probably would have said, uh, you know, what do I want to see him for? Again, of course, if someone sent by God, that would have worked itself out. But I just believe because he was born in his household, um, that Pharaoh was like, all right, I'll see him. So, but he says in verse 13, and he said, oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron, the Levite, thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he sees thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. You know, and I love how he said that, I will be with your mouth. He said first, I will be with your mouth, and his mouth, but I'll teach you. He never said, I'll teach Aaron. He said, I'll teach you. That's the next step. When he calls you, he'll put his words in your mouth. And then there is a teaching. Because I believe Moses, he was learned in all the science and wisdom of the Egyptians. But now he was going to be taught by God. He was going to be taught by God. But listen to what it says. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and he shall be to him, and thou shall be to him instead of God. And so I thought about, so now when I fast forward, um, um, so going forward, we see, I'm just going to fast forward. Through the 10 plagues, Moses was learned through the 10 plagues, right? But let me point something out here. You see, God sent Aaron. He allowed Aaron to go with Moses because he said, I know we can speak well. And so I looked and I saw that up until the fourth plague Aaron was doing all the speaking, though God was speaking to Moses. And Moses was telling Aaron, this is what God said to say to Pharaoh. So you have these two men going to Pharaoh, speaking what God spoke to Moses. And Moses t- is telling Aaron what to say. And on top of that, God was using Aaron's rod. And But a time came, and it was in chapter five. I won't, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to tell you about it. You can do your own research. But in chapter five, when it was a plague of the lice, right before that, Aaron had used his rod for the last time. And then God sent a plague of lice and the magicians could not counterfeit that miracle. And then Pharaoh spoke, get these flies away from me, get them away from me. And, and he said, I'm not going to let you go because see Aaron said through the mouth of Moses to him, Aaron spoke to Pharaoh and said to him, the Lord said, let my people go that they may do sacrifice unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh answered, why should I let you go? That is when Moses spoke for the first time. He spoke up to Pharaoh. That's the first time that he spoke to him. In fact, it says here. I've said I wouldn't go there, but I, I do want to actually. Because it's so good. Um, oh, well, I'm just not. Just whatever. <laughs> I should have had my note better. But it doesn't matter because Moses spoke for the first time and said, Pharaoh, we will go. We will go and we must go for three days into the desert with all of our children to offer and our cattle to offer sacrifice unto the Lord. And he's and, you know, and also, too, in that chapter, that was the last time Aaron spoke to Pharaoh and the last time Aaron's rod was used. And that was the first time Moses' voice was heard and his rod was used after that for the rest of the entire story. And so when it came time, Moses is learning as he's going on. And isn't that the way it is with us? You know, I believe that when we're called to do something in the Lord, when we're called whatever it is to do, When he comes to us and it has us do something, a lot of times it's not easy. And it will be strenuous and it will take a lot out of us. But in the beginning, God will send you an errand. God will have mercy on you. He knows if you're scared. He knows where you lack confidence. He knows what you are terrified to do. He will send somebody as God said, I know we can speak better than you in other words but you're going to learn to speak better than him i'm going to teach you how to speak and it was in the context in that moment he opened his mouth and he spoke to pharaoh and he said we're going to go we let us go that we may offer sacrifice well later on i'm going to fast forward again to they've gone they've left egypt they've part went through the red sea they're in the desert Moses is called up to Mount Sinai for the two tablets. And we know the story of the golden calf. They came to Aaron and they said, where is he? This man who brought us out here. You know, they were, they were complaining. Where where, where is this guy that brought us up out of the land of Egypt for we don't know what has become of him. And Aaron said, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them unto me. That was all the gold that was plundered from the neighbors of all the Hebrew people. And we know the story. They give it to Aaron. Aaron casts it in the fire and there's a golden calf and Moses and Joshua are on the Mount Sinai with God. And, and Joshua says, Um, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is it the voice of them that are shout for, uh, but the, for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And so that's when they came down. And I believe Joshua stayed, but Moses came down. So after that terrible, terrible incident, We don't really ever see anything really about Moses anymore. There are some things, of course, he becomes the priest and his sons and so on. But here's the thing I want to point out. In chapter 33, we see Moses now standing alone. And you see, in your walk with Christ, there's going to come a day where God's going to take the Aaron out of your life. And it doesn't have to be an Aaron kind of person that blows it terribly or becomes some heretical person. But there's going to come a time where God is going to separate you from an Aaron that he allowed to be in your life. It says here, and Moses, it says, and it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, this is 33, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses and the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh with his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, see, you said unto me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Isn't that interesting? Because remember I was showing you in chapter four, verse 13. Remember he said, who is it that you will send with me? And the Lord said, "Okay, I get it. You don't speak well. I'm sending Aaron. Aaron's not in the picture anymore. But notice the heart of Aaron. And don't aren't we the, aren't we the same way? Aaron represents something. Maybe it's not even a person, but Aaron represents something that we have leaned on, even innocently and sincerely. Even somebody God did put in our life." That we've leaned on them and depended on them in some way. And, you know, even a brother, that was his brother. But his brother turned out to be fallible. And so now he stands alone. And maybe you find yourself standing alone. And I'm here to encourage you. That God removes errands out of our life. Notice how he says, you have not, you have, you have not let me know whom you will, whom thou will send with me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and that I have found grace in your sight. You know, whenever you read in the Bible that God says, I know you by name, I know them by name, or, uh, you know, Psalm 87, 7, the Lord will count when he writeth up the names See, he said to him, I know your name, meaning I know you. I know you, Moses. I knew you. I created you in your mother's womb. It was of me that you were placed in the reeds and ark. It was me that had Pharaoh's daughter pull you out of that water and name you, Moses. It was of me. All of it has been of me. I know you. I know you by name. And it says in verse 13, Now therefore I pray thee, he says to God, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee. You know, you can never know the Lord unless you go his way. You can never know God ever. Ever. It's not just in a bunch of reading. It's not just in a bunch of, I'll volunteer to do this or that. And that's all fine and good. But so many people, they wonder why they just have an empty life with Christ. That they want things from God. They want to do things for God. But you know, God already knows you. You've already found grace in his sight. And just like Moses, he knew you. He calls you forth out of your mother's womb. You are and were created for his pleasure. I want to break right here for one second. I want to say something. You know that young couple, the Gabby Petito, you know how she was murdered? And the young man, his remains were found, his skeletal remains, eaten, I'm sure, probably of some wild animal. And I've heard people go, that's what he gets. That's what he gets. Justice was served. You know, in the word it says, thou shalt take no delight in the death of the wicked. That was not God's will for both of those beautiful children to die the way they did. God created those children that he would have them in eternity. And everybody that dies in their wickedness, he says he has no satisfaction in the wicked that he dies. It says in Ezekiel 33, 11, I have no pleasure in the wicked that they die. And it is not of us to do, to be like, that's what he gets. You know why? Because, man, just think of those people. We'll spend a crisis eternity away from Jesus Christ in and in an eternity of torment and punishment. That will never, ever end and after 10,000 years and 10,000 more years and billions of years and billions of years roll over the heads of those in eternal separation from Christ, a crisis eternity will be that of the greatest torment ever in the wrath of God. But I mean, that was not a place God made for them, for those children. Now, back to what I was saying. Now, therefore, I pray that if I have found grace in thy shite, sight, show me now thy way that I might know thee. And, you know, even Paul the apostle said that. He had already known Jesus. He saw him in his glorified state. And yet we read about it in Philippians 3.10. after he had been walking as a, an apostle unto the body of Christ and to the Gentiles, after he had been preaching, after he had been doing all these things, he says, oh, that I may know thee and the power of his resurrection be being made conformable unto his death and you know at this point Moses has gone through the red sea he is he has gone through 10 plagues he has seen water at marah the poisonous water turn into fresh water he he has heard the voice of god speaking like thunder On top of Mount Sinai, he has seen the Mount Sinai run down like wax. He has seen fire blazing on the top of it. And he said, I do exceedingly fear and quake. And yet he says to God, now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. And God said to him, my presence shall go with thee. You see, Aaron was removed out of his life. And the Aaron's will be removed out of your life. Because God then took the place of Aaron to become his companion. And then it goes on to say, for wherein shall it be known? And he said, Moses replied to him and said, if your presence do not go not with me, carry us not up from hence. You see, when God is with you, then it's going to affect the them in your life. You're, you're going to hear from God where they're not. You will be the candlestick in your house, in your neighborhood, at work, wherever you are. Because you see, when God becomes your, your companion and he says, and you say to him, Lord, I'm all alone. Who are you going to go? Who do, where do I go? You know, it's like the, like the disciples who said to Jesus, when Jesus said to them, when many that day left him and no more walked with Christ, his his disciples said, Jesus said to them, will you also go away? And they said, where also will we go? Who else has the words of eternal life? They would rather be conformable unto his death, that they may be partakers of the eternal life and be partakers now of his life, that we would bear about in our bodies the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ by this world this Egypt, this enemy world that we've been born into. And we are going to go through the Red Sea and we are going to go through the Jordan and we're going to have seven nations that are more powerful round about us. We're going to be called to do things whereof we'll say, Lord, but I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since as you've spoken unto your servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. You've got to, you've, you're getting it wrong. And the Lord's like, I will send you somebody to go with you. But look what happened. It says the Lord taught him. He said, I will teach you. And God did teach him. And this was the point now. This is where everything changed. Is when God took the place of Aaron. And it says, furthermore, it says, For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in your sight? Is it not in that you go with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. And he says it again, and I know you by name. Just like I said of Abraham, I know him, that he will obey me, he'll do what I say, and he will instruct his children after him. See, he knows you, he knows that you can't, they're not eloquent. He knows that you don't have the strength to go do that. He already knows that. This this has to settle it for you forever, for the rest of your life. God is never going to ask you to do something in your own strength. He's going to ask you to do it in your weakness because in your weakness, his power is made manifest in your life. Stop trying so hard to be so strong and flexing some kind of an external muscle to do things for the Lord. When God really calls you into something Yes, he'll begin by sending you an errand. He'll begin to teach you. He will send you to do hard things. But yet that's how you learn in the hard things. That's how you stretch and grow. And even Moses, look at, he murdered somebody. What can be worse than murdering another human being because you think God called you to do something? God didn't call Moses to be a murderer. But yet that very man received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. One of them was, thou shalt not kill. He was forgiven for that. You see, God knew there was nothing in Moses that he, everything that we can look at all the flaws of Moses and you can do that in your own time. You could read all the things Moses did. He became frustrated with the people. He he didn't speak to the rock. He smote it twice. I believe he had a nervous breakdown. That's why I believe he took him away. I don't believe God was mad at him. He was 120 years old. The Lord's like, that's enough. Joshua, you're up. But you see, Joshua was being prepared too. So you see, don't be so hard on yourself because exactly how Moses went is exactly how you're going. And God said to him, to Moses, I will do this thing. I I read that already. And he said, I beseech you. Moses then says, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, you know, when the Lord gives you a work, He's gonna. His name must go before Him. You know, I think about uh, Abraham when he was, uh, he was taking his son up to sacrifice him. His son said to him, "Where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb, Father?" Abraham said to him. Son, God will provide for himself a lamb. You see, whatever work is of God, he will provide for himself a lamb. He will provi- <laughs> provide for himself, excuse me. <coughs> he will provide for himself everything that's needed for the work in your life. It's not on you. That's Satan telling you. You know what Satan's favorite words are? Now, what are you going to do? Now, what are you going to do? Now, what are you going to do? And all of a sudden you're freaking out and you're running in circles and you're full of stress and anxiety. And, and now who are you obeying? You don't even realize that you're cast, you're being cast down before the wicked one. But you know, we're not of those that turn back into perdition, but them that stand upright, right? Right. We serve the living God. And, you know, when he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So he has to go before you in the work that you do. Don't ever do anything, anything without proclaiming the name of the Lord. You know, Paul, David said, for I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. Therefore, I shall not be moved. That's Psalm 16, verse 8. And in Psalm, and in Acts uh, 2, 25, he said, uh, uh, Luke was quoting David where he said, I, because I foresaw the Lord always before me, therefore I was not moved. You see, you have to foresee Christ always before you. You know why? He doesn't follow us. We follow him. The only thing that follows us is goodness and mercy, but that's only if we follow him, Right. He leads us beside the still water. So if he's leading us, that means we're following him. And at the end of that is surely goodness and mercy will follow you. And so then he goes on to say, I will be, um, he says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, you cannot see my face for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, behold. There is a place by me. Thou shalt stand upon a rock. And you know, that's the thing that struck me. There is a place by me. Not by Aaron. But there is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by. That I will put thee in the cliff of the rocks. Not only upon the rock. But in the cliff of it, in Christ. And I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. You know, the next time we hear of Aaron, it's in Numbers chapter 12, where him and Miriam, after Moses married an Ethiopian woman, that they spoke against Moses, and that's the last time Aaron was ever heard God call him. For he called Moses, he called Aaron, Miriam, and Moses to come into the tabernacle, and he spoke to him. And you know, he was called, Aaron was called a prophet in Exodus but it looks like he was probably stripped of of his title of being a prophet because in Numbers chapter 12, it said, if I, if anybody's a prophet, I'll speak to that man by dreams and visions, you know, and the next thing we hear, the next thing, you don't really hear anything about him. He does some sacrifices. He does things, but you know what? Who, Moses speaks to Numbers chapter 11 after that, his son Eliezer. You don't ever hear Moses ever speaking to Aaron again, only that Aaron would do a few things. And lastly, the last chapter of Exodus um, of Numbers, when it was recording all the places that they had camped in between that, it said an Aaron died and was buried being 120 years old. And then it went back into everywhere else they went. You see, don't lean on an Aaron. Aaron was his brother. Aaron was had a voice. He could speak. But the Lord wanted Moses. And the Lord wants you. He chose you. Not because he needs you. But because he wants you. And the life that Moses led is really an example of the true Christian life, of the true Christian character, and the true Christian failures, and the true Christian glory. And I just really, really want to encourage you today and say to you, there is a place There is a place and you know, today there is a place by God and you will stand upon that rock and you stand upon that rock and that rock is Christ and you are hidden in Christ for you are in Christ and Christ is God's. And one last thing, you know, I was reading Psalm 91 today and I said to myself, You know, when I first saw that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And through the whole thing I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust and so forth. And you know what? I saw the account of Moses' life and times. I truly believe that's what that psalm writer wrote about Moses' life. And it spoke to his life. Yes, Moses was a powerful man, and by him God did great and mighty works with an outstretched arm and a and his stretched out hand and a bare arm. But you see, God gave you a mouth, he's with your mouth, and he's going to teach you what to do. and you could and there's so many things that are waiting for you to be done by that rod which is Christ. There is a place by God where you stand. And that rock is Christ. Never forget that. Because now, if you find yourself alone, God will replace Aaron, all the Aaron's of our lives, with himself. And that's when the true, true race and walk home, walking home into his glory begins.